Um, Pastor uh, Kenneth Hagan texted me this morning and said, <clears throat> Have a great Sunday. Remember, we must stay ready to receive the abundant blessing of God. It's up to you, not God. I just thought I'd pass that along to you. We've got to do our part, amen? It's not up to God. He's already done everything He's going to do for you. Did you know that? I say, oh, I hope that's not true. It is. Now it's up to you. you mean, what do you mean it's up to me? You've got to learn how to make demands on the account that God has put and made available in your name. It's, it's, it's in Jesus' name, but you're in Jesus. So when you, when you make a demand, on you're not demanding God. Jesus said, whatever you demand in my name. He's not saying demand God. You put a demand on the account. Anybody got a bank account? Anybody got a bank account that got some money in it? You could put a demand on that account, right? And how much is in it depends on how much you can demand, right? Well, Jesus has an account, and you can demand as much as you need. And if you demand it in faith, it'll come to you. It'll manifest in this realm. I want to talk to you this morning <clears throat> just some things that God's been sharing with me in my devotion, in my, out of my relationship with God. So I don't have any notes. I just I have my journal with, you, with me today. And I'm just going to share some things that um, I've been, uh, my devotions the last couple of weeks have just been so, I mean, they're always good, but they've been so good, especially the last few days. You know, when you're on vacation, you just unplug from everything but Jesus and your family, right? I never unplug from Jesus. So when I go on vacation, I stay plugged into Jesus and, uh, <clears throat> and my family. I guess sometimes you could take a vacation from your family, but I didn't do that this time. <clears throat> Excuse me. <coughs> I got cut back. I'm just kidding. Uh, I want you to turn to, to Genesis chapter 28. So uh, I was doing, I am doing a study just in my own devotion uh, on breakthroughs of the Bible. I had a thought, uh, my friend Pastor Brian shared, he got me stirred up thinking about this, that the Bible is full of breakthroughs, people who went from abject poverty to obscene wealth overnight. People who went from being a prisoner to being the prime minister overnight. People who went from being trapped on a boat in a flood, lost everything, to coming out of the flood and owning the whole planet overnight. People who were one day shepherd and sheep, and the next day they were the king overnight. Uh, people who were one day they were blind, and the next day they could see. Um, people who were just minding their own business, living in a village, and God appeared to them one day and said, get out of your town, get out away from your kinfolk. That's a good word for somebody right there. And go to a land which I will show you, and in blessing I will bless you. And overnight, they were God's covenant partner. How many know if you're going to be in business with somebody, God's a good business partner, right? And so just overnight, and as I was studying these overnight uh, breakthroughs of the Bible, and I'm still studying it, and I got a lot more. I mean, uh, one of my favorite, you know, one, one is Moses. He was a, a slave baby. He was a, he was a slave child. And then the next day, he's getting pulled out of the river, and he's the emperor's child, grandchild. You know what I'm saying? Then you got Israel, who they're a slave nation, and they're broke, they're sick, they're poor, they're in bondage. And then in one day, overnight, they're healed they plundered the richest nation in the country. The Bible, God said, ask your neighbors for all their silver and gold. And their neighbor, all the Egyptians said, we will give you everything we got. Just please leave. And they went from sick and broke and slaves to being 
healed, healthy, wealthy, and on their way to the promised land overnight. I mean, the Bible's full of these overnight. Uh, and the reason that I think God has me studying this is because when God begins to reveal things to you in the Word, it's because He wants to manifest it in your life and in your church and in your ministry. Aren't you glad you're part of Harvest Church? <laughs> you're going to be a part of an overnight success. How many know sometimes it's a long night? We all want to talk about Joseph going from prison to being prime minister, but there was a process he went through to get there, right? It was overnight, but it was a long night. But let me just say the night's almost over, amen? That's another series for another day. But as I was studying that, I was looking at one of these people that was an overnight success, and I kind of got sidetracked, and the Lord showed me something else layers of revelation and it was you know studying Abraham <clears throat> Isaac and Jacob father son and grandson and I got stuck on Jacob over there in uh, uh, Genesis 28 where we know the story where he purchased his brother's birthright Esau with a bowl of chili and he uh, <clears throat> shrewdly sealed the deal by tricking his dad to get the birthright. Some say he stole it, but, he, but his brother sold it to him. He was just negotiating and being shrewd to get what was his. He might have been a little crafty about it, but, but he got it. And his parents said, all right, look, you're going to have to get out of here. Your brother's mad at you, but don't marry any of these Canaanite women. I mean, it's important who you marry. Hey, hey come on now, somebody. Uh, and if you're wondering, you married the right one. Come in February, we'll do a series on marriage. But, but he said, don't marry any of these Canaanite women. Marry somebody who's part of our family. Now, that, I know that sounds a little weird to us, unless you're from Mississippi. But um, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm from Mississippi. I'm joking. But back then, you know, there was a small population. They were all, all related. But, but, but he said, go over here to your mama's brother's house and marry somebody, you know, one of your, you know, first cousins, twice removed kind of a thing. So today, the practical application is marry somebody who's in the family of God. Don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Marry somebody who's in the family, okay? So Jacob, he's on his way, headed to Uncle Laban's place, you know, to get a job. And on his way there, he camps out one night. It's a long journey. We camped out one night in Oregon. One night was enough. And I decided I do like camping at the Marriott. <laughs> anyway, we camped out one night. It was fun. And so Jacob was camping out, and he fell asleep, and he has a dream. How I many God can speak to you through dreams? And in this dream, a ladder comes down from heaven doo -doo 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 -doo, onto the earth. Angels start coming up and down, ascending and descending on the ladder. And the Lord stood at the top of the ladder and spoke and said... And reiterated the covenant that he had spoken and made with Abraham, his grandfather. He said, in blessing, I'll bless you. The land you're sleeping on tonight, I'm going to give this land to you. And as far as your eye can see, and in your seed, all nations will be blessed. Well, it's good stuff. He just reiterates the covenant. And then Jacob wakes up, and he's freaked out. He's like, "Woo, Man, I just saw God. I wonder if I'm going to die now. And he's kind of afraid, and he renames the place where he was camping, and he calls it Bethel, or the Bethel, the house of God. And he, he had used a rock for a pillow, and he set the rock up, 
as a pillar, and he poured oil on it, and he said, this is now Bethel, the house of God, and he created a memorial. And then, uh, this is what I want to share with you. Let me read to you out of uh, Genesis 28. I've been quoting it to you. The ladder was on the earth, and the top reached the heavens, and the Lord stood above it and spoke and said, and then look at the very last verse, verse 22. I think it's the second part of the last verse. And it says, and this, this was Jacob's response to his God encounter. How I many he had an encounter with God, right? And he said, and all that you shall give me, God, you know, if you do everything you said you do, and you bless me like you said you're going to bless me, all that you give me, surely I will give the tenth or the tithe unto you, unto thee. His response to having this encounter with God was he became a tither. Tithe, T-I-T-H-E, it's the Hebrew word, it means a tenth. So if you have ten pieces of silver, you take the first one and you give it to God. That's a tenth. So his response was to become a tither. Now, let me just say, I'm going to be starting a new series in a couple of weeks in the month of August called Get Your Ship Together. S-H-I-P. We're going to talk about steward, we're going to talk about lordship, stewardship, leadership, relationships. And so I'm going to have some guest speakers come in and talk about leadership. Terry Savelle Foy, the man who led me to Jesus, Brother Jim Weidman, he's the, he is the father of modern-day children's ministry. He's going to be here. It's going to be an amazing month. Don't miss August. It's going to be a lot of fun. The ladies' conference is in August. My 20, our 25-year wedding anniversary is in August. It's going to be a good month. You don't want to miss August. It's going to be hot in August. But we have new air conditions here at Harvest Church, so come enjoy them. Amen. Paid for air conditions. Thank you. <clears throat> and so, uh, his response, I said all that to say that I'm going to give you a little glimpse today, and we're going to talk about stewardship. you got to get that ship together, right? And so, a lot of the reason, you can be saved, you can be a Christian and not be a tither, uh, just like I can be married and not wear my ring. Now, I might, there might be a greater chance of me getting in trouble without it on, Right? Because I'm, let's face it, I'm a good-looking man. But, but, thank you for that amen on the front row. I appreciate that. At least I got one amen. That's the only one I needed. But when I wear my ring, you know, some little hottie might look at me and go, oh, he's married, he's taken, he's off the market, right? Now, this is a symbol. It's symbolic, but it's also dynamic, right? It's dynamic. So it's symbolic because, you know, it's my ring, it's round. It represents eternity. It's unending, like my commitment to, to Miss Adrian. But, it's, but it represents something greater than our marriage. It represents Jesus and his marriage to the church. And so when I, I mean, it's symbolic when Brother Jim, he's the one who married us. He's going to be here in August. When he said, Kevin, do you? Adrian, do you? We both said, I do. He said, I now pronounce you husband and wife. We'd already put on the symbols. And then something dynamic happened. Not just symbolic. The presence of God came in to that place and caused a man and a woman, a young man and a young woman, 21 and 22 years old, the two to be made one. She's younger than me, by the way. The two to be made, the two lives were made one, and the dynamic presence of God did that. Bam! So it's symbolic and it's dynamic. It's symbolic, but it's powerful. Right? 
And so in the, in the same way, that's the tithe. It's symbolic, but it's dynamic. Um, and so the result of this God encounter that Jacob had was he became a tither. I'm going to give you a tenth of all. The reason a lot of Christians aren't tithers is because they really haven't had a God encounter. Because when you have a God, when you encounter God, when you experience the presence, when you get born again, when you experience God, all of a sudden you go like, man, I'm changed, I'm different. You open your wallet, you open your heart, you open your home, you become hospitable, you become generous, you love everybody. You say, don't worry, man, I forgive you. I know what you did to me, but that's, I, I love everybody. Why? Because you're a new creature, you're different. You had a God encounter, you, you start living a generous life. A life of giving, a life of, of loving, a life of forgiving. Now, you still have to work it out sometimes. Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But you're different on the inside. And Jacob, he said, I've encountered God, and now you do what you said. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to honor you with the tithe. Now, when I read that story, my mind immediately went to John chapter 1, verse, I think it's verse 50 or 51, where Jesus said uh, to Andrew, remember Andrew? Uh, he said, can anything good, you, you found the Messiah? And he came out of Nazareth? I mean, that's like the ghetto, man. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And so when he walked up, Jesus said, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And a Andrew said in today's vernacular, he'd be like, man, you don't know me, man. What are you talking about in whom there's no guile? What are you saying? I mean, you're right. There is no guile in me, but, but you don't know me, man. And Jesus said, dude, when you were sitting under the juniper tree, I saw you. And Andrew's like, whoa, surely you are the son of God, the Messiah. Now, I don't know what Andrew was doing under the juniper tree, but when Jesus said he saw him, it made a believer out of Andrew. I don't know if he was praying some prayer like, God, if you're real. But God, Jesus said, I saw you under the juniper tree. Andrew became a believer. And Jesus said, oh, you think that's something? Dude, you ain't seen nothing yet. He said, and then he said this. He goes, you will see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. In other words, he said, I am Jacob's ladder. What do you mean, Jacob's ladder? What? All right, we'll come back to Jacob's ladder. Gavin, remind me. But I woke up two days ago. It was my first day, first night to sleep in my own bed for three weeks, you know. I sleep good every night. But when you're in your own bed, you know what I'm talking about? You sleep better. And Miss Adrian was still down at the beach, so I had the whole king-size bed to myself. I slept right in the middle which is where Miss Adrian usually sleeps. <laughs> and I just sprayed, I was like, oh, yeah. And, I, I, you know, I have one of them beds. We, we got it about a year ago, you know, it sits, sits you up, you know, and it raises your feet up. Man, we got a, we got a bed. It was awesome. And I, you know, figured, spent, you know, we, we slept for 20-something years in, you know, crappy bed. <laughs> we got a good one about a year ago. We inherited, our first bed was my mom said, here, we're not using this one anymore. It was your grandparents. You can have it. It's, it's an old bed mattress. And we, we, we slept on that. But, but Lord bless us a year ago. We had a nice bed. And you raise your feet up. Raise your, and my wife, it does all this stuff, but she likes it flat. I'm like, well, why did we get this? If it's good? So I slept with it up, my feet up. It was awesome. <laughs> I had all the pillows, one under my legs, one around. I mean, it was, it was great. 
But I'm glad Mama's home because I'd rather share the bed than being in it alone. But I slept really well, and when I woke up that first morning back home, been on vacation for two and a half weeks, I had a thought from the Lord, and it came in the form of a question. A lot of the, my thoughts from the Lord usually come in forms of questions because God knows that I don't like questions being unanswered, so I start looking for the answer. And I've also, I'm learning that when God asks me a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Because I don't know the answer. But here was the question. The question was, what does the Bible say? And a lot of the questions the Lord asked me uh, start with that phrase, which I'm thankful for. Because, you know, you need to find stuff in the Bible if you're going to believe it. But what does the Bible say belongs to the Lord? Huh. So I laid there and I thought for a few minutes. And I thought, well, the Bible says the silver is mine and the gold is mine. So if you got any silver or gold today, enjoy it. But it ain't yours. It's the Lord's. Say, oh, I paid for it. Yeah, but it's God's. He's going to gather it all up one day. I don't know what he's going to do with it, but probably redistribute it and give it to, you know. Anyway, the Bible says it all belongs to him. The silver is mine, the gold is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills is the Lord. The Lord has cows, cattle. Uh, The Bible says that uh, the fat belongs to the Lord. So if you're fat today, you're God's. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about you on the in the meat, you know. Just take so that's why when I eat a steak, I don't eat the fat because that's God's. <laughs> but I do eat the bacon, so I don't I'll have to work out my theology later on that one. But anyway, the fat belongs to the Lord. Um, the Bible says wisdom belongs to God. The Bible says power belongs to Him. Virtue. The Bible says uh, you'll like this one. De- Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. It says the secret thing belongs to the Lord. That's kind of cool. Mysterion is the Greek word for that. Uh, and you can pray out the mystery in 1 Corinthians 14 when you, when you speak in tongues. It's truth revealed, mysterion. Uh, what else belongs to the Lord? Uh, oh, the Bible says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. The tithe belongs to the Lord. Um, I'm sure there's other things. That I was just kind of going through a list mentally. And then I came up with this last one, the glory. He says, don't, oh, here's the one. He says, touch not my prophets and do my anointed no harm. Touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. So people that are anointed and called by God, uh, God says, those are my people. They're, they belong to me. We're God's property. Oh, what else is the Lord's? The church, his bride, um, and the glory. And so then the next question came. So I kind of went through The next question came to me. Of the things that belong to the Lord, what is he unwilling to share? I thought, well, God's willing to share everything. He, I mean, our parents taught us when we were little to share, right? One of the first things we learned. But then I got to thinking, there are a few things that God is unwilling to share. He will not share his glory. He will not share his bride. I don't share mine. You don't share yours. He will not share the tithe. It's holy unto the Lord. And he will not share vengeance. You know, you can take vengeance into your own hands, but it doesn't work out near as well if you leave it up to the Lord. He does a much better job, right? You can touch the tithe. Remember Malachi 3? It says, um, will a man rob God? There's another question. How many of when God asks questions, it's not because he didn't know the answer. Will a man rob God? And they're like, surely not. I mean, if you're going to rob from somebody, don't rob from somebody who has security cameras everywhere. Who sees everything? 
Will a man rob God? No, that would be stupid. He goes, but y'all have robbed me. And they're like, wherein have we robbed you? And God said, in tithes and offerings. And they're like, oh, snap. Yeah, you're right, we have. And then God says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Why? That there may be food in my house. This is Malachi 3, verses 8 through 10. That there may be food in my house. And then, then prove me now here in this, saith the Lord. Now, this is an interesting side thought. The only, you know, the Bible says don't test the Lord. The only time God ever invites us to test him is when it comes to tithing. He says, prove me now, test me, prove me now in this, saith the Lord. And see, if, I, if you bring in the tithe, if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, that's what he did in Noah's day, and pour out such a blessing on you, that you don't even have room enough to receive it. Now it says a blessing, not blessings, just one blessing. I'll pour out such a blessing on you, you won't even have room enough to receive it. That's a big blessing. So if you're not a if you're a Christian but you're not a tither, God loves you, and if you start tithing, He won't love you anymore. He loves you as much as He's ever going to love you. There's nothing you can do to make Him love you more. He loves you completely and perfectly and totally. But there is a blessing that you're missing out on that's only available to the tither. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Just like there's a blessing that only married people get that unmarried people don't get. You, you believe that? There are certain things married folk get that unmarried folk don't get. Do I need to be more explicit? You get it, right? All right. Now, if you're not married and you're getting it, then that's a whole other sermon that you need to hear. It's called repent. All right? So when we partake of, so marriage is a symbol. Can we put that picture up on the screen? It's symbolic. It represents Christ and the church. But when we partake of marriage, not only do we celebrate the symbol, but something powerful and dynamic happens, something life-changing, right? Any married people in the house say, your life has been changed? (laughs) Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. But when Christ and the bride are united, the bride is changed. Because of the love of, the, of, of the, the, groom, the groom. Now, the Lord's table is symbolic. Communion, right? It represents the bread and the body of Christ. It's, what it represents is so powerful that when we partake of it, something powerful and dynamic happens and manifests. You can take of the bread and be healed in your body. You can partake of the bread and be mended in broken relationships. You can partake of the cup and be forgiven of your sin. So it's powerful, it's symbolic, but it's also dynamic. Now, if you never partake of it, you can still go to heaven, but you're missing out on a dynamic manifestation of what it represents. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So how often do you do it? As often as you need to or want to. A friend of mine does it every day. Uh, the Catholics do it every week at Mass. Here at Harvest Church, we do it once a month. There's not a right or wrong how much to do it, but as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. What do we remember? How much he loves us. Because he didn't have to do what he did. Um, so, uh, okay, the tithe. It's symbolic. What does it represent? Okay, let me ask you a question. Is Jesus God's first? Some of you are not sure. Let me, let me prove to you that he is. Here's, I looked up seven scriptures this morning that talk about Jesus being the first. Here's, the, here's one. Col- the, here's a few in Colossians. Chapter 1, verse 15. It says, He, Jesus, is the invisible image of God, firstborn of all creation. Verse 17. 
He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Verse 18, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Why first place? God wants to be first, have first. He, all, he loves the first. Why? Because he is the first. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And by the way, he's everything in between. Now, why is he the firstborn from among the dead? When Adam was first created, you know, he, God breathed into him the breath of life. He inflated him. And when Adam opened his eyes, the first thing he saw, God's face. Whoa. Like looking in a mirror. And then God said, all this, it's yours. Have dominion. Have it. What's dominion? That's where we get the word kingdom. The dominion of the king. Kingdom. The king's dominion. He says, I'm a king, and I have dominion, and I've just made this for you. Now you have dominion over this. So Adam was like a king. He was, he was the firstborn. Well, when Adam and Eve sinned, Adam was the first man ever born again. He was born from life to death, from light into darkness. Jesus came, 1 Corinthians says, as the second Adam, do over. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, this is John 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It was the incarnation of God. He existed eternally, but then when he came into the world to manifest himself, he was the firstborn. And then Jesus was the first man ever born again from death to life. Now, Jesus is God's first. Let me read this to you. Let me keep going. This is uh, Romans 1.5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, <laughs> to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. Man, that's good. Now, Psalm 89 tells us a little something about Jesus. I wish I could just preach all day just on this verse. Psalm 89, 27. It says, I also shall make him my firstborn. God the Father and the God the Spirit are speaking about Jesus. I will make him my firstborn. What do you mean make? Well, he existed eternally in the heavens with God. He is God. But God said, I'm going to make him. Jesus volunteered to come die in your place. I'm going to make him the firstborn. So it's the incarnation of God. I'm going to make him the firstborn. Listen to the rest of the verse. The highest of the kings of the earth. Adam was a king. He fell in the darkness. Jesus was born again from darkness to light, from death to life. And now, just like Adam was a king and had all dominion, now Jesus, everything that Adam lost, Jesus got it back. And he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. I mean, nobody has authority or power that didn't come from God, whether it's political, whether it's ecclesiastical, whether it's marital, whether it's financial, all authority comes from God. And we're supposed to use it for his purposes to get his kingdom into the earth, right? So Jesus is God's first. We established that. Now, second question, do you think Jesus is God's best? That's a no-brainer. Jesus is the jewel of heaven. He's the best. God gave his first and his best. Now, are you ready? If you can receive it, 
let me say to you that Jesus is God's tithe. His first and his best. Now, before you get hung up on the math, I know a tithe is 10%. Jesus is not 10%. Jesus is 100%. He's 100% God, 100% man. So that's 200%. I know, it's heavenly math. And so technically, if Jesus is a part of the triune Godhead, the Trinity, then he's really 33.3333333%. But how many know, how do you quantify what's 33.3333% of eternity? I don't know. So he's all that, and he's the tithe. Why? Because it's symbolic. We bring the tithe, not because the church needs your money. That's irrelevant. We bring the tithe because of what it symbolizes. It represents God giving his first and his best. He didn't have to do it. You know why he did it? Love. Why do we do it? We don't have to. Why do we do it? Love. I don't have to wear my ring. You know why I do? Love. I didn't have to marry her. You know why I did? Love. I don't have to partake of communion, but you know why I do? Love, because of what it represents. I don't have to be water baptized, but you know why I do? Because Jesus commanded me to, and I love him. We do it all because of love. I did it all for love. There's 80 songs in there somewhere, I know. But it's symbolic. It's what it represents. It's symbolic. There's lots of symbols in what we believe, but there's power behind the symbol. So it's not, we don't just have crosses because of, it's a symbol, but because of what it represents. How long would it take you to tell me what the cross is a symbol of? You could tell me the quick version, or you could spend the rest of your life and never get it all said, right? In Egypt, I have a friend who does missions work in Egypt. The, the Christians over there have a little tiny cross tattooed on their wrist so that when they're in the marketplace, they'd be like, what's up? They say hello to their fellow. Because over there, you know, it's not a Christian nation yet. And so that's how they let each other know. Pretty cool, huh? It's a symbol. I like that. And so we have these symbols, but let's just not, let's not get stuck on the fact that they're symbols. Let's go beyond the symbol to what it represents because there's dynamic power. When you come up out of the water of baptism, the Holy Spirit is there dynamically to change your life because you mix all this with faith. You mix communion with faith. You mix marriage with faith. You mix tithing with faith. And the dynamic power of God comes in and begins to manifest what that symbol represents. Now, let me start closing with this because here's the whole thing. Jesus, remember the ladder? I told you to remind me. Jesus said, I am Jacob's ladder. In other words, what are ladders used for? They're used for climbing up higher. They're used to go to another level. They're used to reach something that you couldn't reach on your own, right? How many know that you can't go to another level? You can't reach. There's some things you cannot reach without Jesus. When he comes into your life, he takes you to another level. He elevates you. He lifts you higher. He helps you reach things that you could only, never even could have dreamed of before. He is, and those angels were coming up and down. The prayers go up. The blessings come down, right? And God's saying, I got resources up here in my domain, in my kingdom, that I want to get down to where you are. How do you get them down there? You use the ladder. Jesus says, I'm the ladder. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. He goes, all right, pray like this. Uh, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth. He wants his kingdom to come where? To the earth. 
He wants His will to be done where? On the earth, just like it is in heaven. So how do you get the resources in the kingdom down to the colony? The ladder. It's the, it's the connector. Jesus is the king. He came and preached his kingdom. And he says, how do you get my kingdom resources into your life? you got to use the ladder. And when Jacob saw the ladder, the connector, and the angels and the messengers, what do the angels do? They bring messages. They bring resources. They carry stuff. They carry miracles. They carry provision. They carry messages. And it's the ladder, Jesus, that gets them in and out. And as a result of seeing that, Jacob said, I'm going to give you a tenth of all because he had a revelation in that moment that the ladder was the tithe. Let me tell it to you this way. Um, I think it's like Numbers 25 but, uh, where it talks about take the, the bread. When you, when you reap the harvest of the grain, when you take the first part and you make dough out of it, and the very first loaf of bread that you make, Take that first loaf. You'll put some, they're going to put some loaves up on the screen for me. And, and you'll, you can tell which one is the first one, can't you? Okay, your guess is as good as mine. But you take the first one that came out, and God says, that first one is holy. Why, why is it holy? Because it's first. Take the first one and bring it to the altar and heave it on the altar as a heave offering. That word heave means to exalt, to lift up, to resurrect. What's it, what's, Jesus is the bread of life, and he's going to be heaved. He's going to be exalted. He's going to be lifted up above the other loaves. He's a holy loaf. He's the bread of life. You eat him, you get life. So he says, take the first dough and the first loaf, and you bring it to me. And then when you do that, all the rest of your dough will be holy and blessed. Let me read a verse to you out of Romans. You'll like this. It says, uh, Romans chapter 11. Did I already read this to you? Romans 11, I wrote it in my journal somewhere, just talk amongst yourselves, I'll be right back, I know it's in here, oh there it is, Romans eleven sixteen. 16, I love this, this is kind of God being tongue in cheek here, it says, if the first piece of dough is holy, the whole lump is holy also, and if the root is is holy the branches are too did you know that when we bring the tithe unto the Lord when you take the first part of your dough and you give it to the Lord all the rest of your dough is blessed and holy too <laughs> I love that but the dough the literal the bread dough he said take the first part and give it to God why it represented Jesus the bread of life you get anything out of this today So, I bring the tithe into the storehouse as it represents God giving his first and his best, his first begotten and only son for me. Like water baptism and communion and marriage, it's not only symbolic of a higher reality and a greater truth, it's also dynamic. When it's done in faith, it honors God and his redemption. And the mighty Holy Spirit is dynamically present to bless and manifest and confirm this reality and this greater truth into my earthly existence. Father, I don't have to give my tithe, your, bring the tithe to you. And you didn't have to give your son for me, but you did because of love. I do the same 
because of love. So these symbols, these tokens that we have in our faith, what do you use tokens for? You put them uh, when you're going in the subway or when you're going on into the bus or into the arcade, right? From the 80s, you use tokens, right? You, or we use tokens, and what do they do? They give, they give you access so that you can get on the, uh, the vehicle, in the vehicle, and be transported to a destination. So these symbols or tokens, we're to mix our faith with them because what do they do? They transport us to a truer truth and to a greater reality. What is that reality? It's His kingdom. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So God says, I've given you the earth. Now you make it look like what you want it to look like. <clears throat> you fashion it like you want it to be fashioned. So you can have any part or as much of this planet as you want, as you, as you will believe God for. So my, my family and I, we want a little piece of God's earth over on the river here in Mobile. Uh, we want a little piece of that. We believe in God for that. This, this is a little piece. God made it all, <clears throat> and I want a little piece of it. We want, we want, some, we want some pieces of God's planet over in India <clears throat> to build children's homes and churches and Bible schools. We just paid off one little three-acre piece in India. I'm excited about that. Hallelujah. Cool story. Um, one of the, we bought two acres, and then we said, let's get a third one before the price goes up. And by the way, since we bought it, the price has quadrupled. And so, good investment, right? And so, one of the owners said, hey, uh, I see stuff coming in around. Y'all are buying this land. I'm going to raise the price. So, he raised the price $7,000, which you can't do that in America because you got contracts. But in India, it's India. And so, uh, man, I thought I had the land paid off, and then now I owe seven grand. The land, the money came in in about a year, and that last little bit, just like, so I kept saying, the land is 99% paid for. And a couple of weeks ago, somebody in our church said, why do you keep saying the land is 99% paid for? I said, well, because we still owe about 4500 bucks, because one of the uh, owners went up on the price. And they said, well, how much did they go up on the price? I said, $7,000. And they said, well, a few months ago, the Lord gave me a dream, and uh, we were in India with you, and in the dream, the Lord said, give Kevin $7,000. And I've already given you a couple of thousand, and I didn't have the rest of it, but I got it now, and here's the rest of it, so now the land's paid off. Isn't that cool? The Lord will give somebody a dream and tell them to give you money. I think we should all just take a nap right now. <laughs> There's a piece of land back here behind the church that uh, we need that piece of the planet. So you just it's all God's. And let's believe God for pieces of it to do kingdom things so that his kingdom can expand here in the earth. We're the colony of heaven, and we want the kingdom to expand because it's a good kingdom. We're the good, kind, benevolent king who wants to shed his grace and love abroad to every nation and every people. Amen? And you can be a recipient of that in newer and in greater ways. And so, I don't know. Uh, I, I just remember, it's a stewardship. This life is a stewardship. We own nothing but we have everything. A steward owns nothing but has access to everything. What do they say? What do they say about buying a boat? The two greatest days is the day you buy a boat and the day you sell it or get rid of it. So, you know, you know what they say now, I believe, is better than having a boat is having a friend that has a boat. <laughs> Heard that, right? 
What's better than having a beach house? A friend that has a beach house. Well, Jesus is our friend, and he owns it all. And, and you can use any of it that you need. He gives us all things richly to enjoy. So don't feel guilty about God's blessings. Just use them to advance his kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did you get anything out of this today? You're going to use your tokens to get transported to a greater reality, to a truer truth? Amen? So, and I want to take this moment just to encourage you. Get a journal and spend time in devotion with the Lord on a consistent basis. He will download some cool stuff into your spirit. And write it down so that when you're dead and gone one day, and after your funeral, and they're going through your stuff looking for loose change, they'll find your journals and find the documentation of your relationship with God. And that's the greatest blessing that you can leave your kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids is the legacy of being a godly man or woman. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads today? Father, I just thank you for this amazing church that you've called us all to be a part of. And I just speak a blessing upon these, your people, and declare that they are blessed to be a blessing. And Lord, if there's anybody here today that doesn't know Jesus, I pray that they would take their next step out of darkness into light. Man, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are in for a treat. This is the reason that you were created. It's why you're here on the planet. He has plans and purposes and designs and good things for you. And if you've never made him your Lord, I want to pray a prayer. I call it the prayer of salvation. And it's just a prayer where you connect to God. And in the answer to that prayer, he takes possession of your life. And he begins to shed his influence not only into your life but through your life. And his lordship begins to direct your steps. And you start your steps become ordered of the Lord. And you start living as a subject of the king. And you are, then you become his representative, his ambassador. And everything begins to change. It changes instantly, it changes progressively, and it changes eternally. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I don't care if you prayed some prayer. If your life hasn't changed, if you haven't encountered God, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. And if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, I'm going to pray this prayer with you, Pastor Kevin, just slip your hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up or I'm not going to point you out. But if you want me to include you in this prayer, real quickly, slip your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. I'm going to pray this prayer with you right now. Come on, raise your hand. Yeah. If you're watching us online today and you want to pray this prayer, you just join us right where you are. Or listening in your car, sitting in front of your computer. There's hands coming up all over the room. You can just join us as we pray right now. Let's all say it together, Harvest Church. Say it with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I repent of my sin, and I ask you to forgive me. And I declare Jesus as the Lord of my life. From this moment forward, I am His. He is mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, if you, made, if you just prayed that prayer, you were just born again. Give those folks a big hand today. God bless you. We're excited for you. Welcome home.